Okay, Kaylee, I think we're ready to tackle a very heavy question. <laughs> You're right. This one's really heavy. Um, this one's honestly really personal for me. This mm. is one of the biggest decisions that we have to make. Mm -hmm. And my colleagues know that sometimes I call it the third rail of climate solutions because <laughs> it's really touchy. Okay, I need to stop procrastinating. I need to stop dancing around. And I'm just going to introduce you to our listener this week. This is Elizabeth Monhay. She's 29 years old, and she's a special education paraprofessional at a high school in Palmdale. And her smallish town in the desert sets these societal expectations to have kids. But... Personally, I've decided against having kids. I don't want to have kids. And I'm wondering if that really does make a difference um, to our climate. Yes, this is a huge question. And I know many, many eco-conscious people have grappled with it. I, I'm among them. <laughs> Out of all the things we've talked about on the show, this is kind of the main subject of my own climate anxiety right now. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm in my late 20s. I'm happily married. And so this topic comes up more than I'd like. And I'm part of the growing percentage of people that feels hesitation to have kids in part because of climate change. But, you know, the experts keep telling us that uh, in order to grapple with climate questions, it's easier to talk about them. OK, you're right. So let's touch the third rail. This is the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast, your practical, personal guide to protecting the planet. I'm Kaylee Wells, KCRW's climate reporter. And I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, an environmental educator and CEO of Friends of the LA River. I want to start with this study that came out because this is one of the first things that I noticed mm -hmm. when I was grappling with mm -hmm. this. It's out of Lund University and the University of British Columbia. Okay. And it said that the four biggest things that you can do to help the planet in a developed country, mm -hmm. you can eat a plant-based diet, you can live car-free, you don't use planes, and you have one fewer child. Mm -hmm. And the one fewer child decision had more than 12 times the impact of the other three actions combined. Yep, that sounds perfectly right to me. It's this, it's our diet, it's how we get around, just like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. But this question is having one fewer child instead of having four, you have three instead of having three, you have two instead of having two, you have one. That makes perfect sense to me. That That has resonated with me personally as well. Yeah. And the really wild part, I mean, 12 times the impact of the other three. That That sounds massive. And the reason is, we're not just considering you adding one more person to the planet. We're mm -hmm. also considering you adding all of their possible descendants. And, you know, OK, I, I get that that you hear that and you think, well, how do they even do any of the math? Obviously, there are a lot of assumptions <laughs> that come along with that. Sure. How many children your child is going to have? Um, also, how many emissions per capita we're going to be creating in 300 years? We don't really know how good a job we're going to be doing at decreasing that. But that's when you put all that math together and sort of make the best estimates that we can with the knowledge we have. That's what they think it adds up to. I, I think the thing that I really struggle with is this idea of, you know, resource scarcity. Like we hear all the time, fresh water is finite. Mm -hmm, and like if mm -hmm. I have a kid, they're going to be drinking fresh water. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I feel guilt over adding to the demand on the planet's resources by just adding to the number of people who are here. Yeah, I get it. I so get it. I talked to people about it to try and make myself feel better. And so I <laughs> shared this question, Elizabeth's question, but mine as well, <laughs> with a UC Riverside professor named Dr. Jade Sasser. And she's basically the expert on this intersection of climate and reproduction. Mm. And she wrote this whole book about it. It's called On Infertile Ground. She's got a podcast where she interviews people like Elizabeth called Climate Anxiety and the Kid Question. Wow. And here was her first reaction to the question. Not having kids is definitely not part of the climate solution. 
Well, that's so opposite of that research we were just talking about. I, I know. I And it kind of surprised me when she came in. That was like right at the beginning uh-huh. of the interview. But she had an explanation for why she felt that way. Okay. If not having kids were a part of the solution, that would mean that climate change is driven by the number of people on planet Earth. And that's just simply not the case. What drives climate change is the extraction and consumption of resources. So what she's saying is it's not how many people you make, it's what the impact on Earth is of those people. It's Mm -hmm. the impact the individuals have. Right. And you have control over that. Mm -hmm. And there are better and worse ways to raise your kids when it comes to the planet. And so having one fewer child is a big part of that. And what she's saying is it's not making or breaking. It's not a black or white thing when it comes to planet. It's about... Not how many people are on the earth, but how the people on the earth are using it. Mm-hmm. And that concept makes sense to me that, like, if I raise three really climate conscious people, that is going to be better that, for the planet than if I raise two that are terrible and don't care and using all these resources. But I still feel like if I'm deciding between zero people and one person that, like, no matter how great the one person is, zero has got to be better. That's going to use fewer resources, isn't it? Yeah, there's it's... there's no contest. Zero and one is zero and one. Yeah. Yeah, you can totally have zero kids and have no impact on the planet right. from that perspective, right? But that doesn't mean that if you have one kid, you are completely destroying and dooming the planet. Or uh-huh. if you have two kids, you're completely destroying and dooming the planet. It's the ways in which you raise those kids that make that a decision. I remember crunching these numbers Way back in 2009, Mm -hmm. um, our kid will be, our daughter will be 12 tomorrow, in fact. And this whole thing was coming up for us of like reading, reading about like how one middle class American child is is using resources equal to like 30 or 40 children in other parts of the world. Yeah. I think it's like 40 children in Bangladesh. Yeah. And. It was never like, well, then we just won't bother. It was like, how can we fix that number? There's got to be a better way to get that from from 40 to, to something else. And so I think that's what she's talking about. And I think that's what the having one fewer, because even that article doesn't say don't bother. That mm-hmm. article says have one fewer. So I think that's what we really need to be talking about. I'm like, I admire the bravery that you have in like choosing to do something where you won't have control. Like you've decided, okay, I'm going to raise this kid and I'm going to do a good job. But like if I create a person, like (laughs) they are going to be an adult. And like, what if they have six kids and their six kids have six kids? Like now I've created 36 people. And I I hear this. I hear the anxiety like (laughs) wafting off of you. And you can always opt out. You can always choose to do zero. I just... I think for me, looking at those numbers, like comparison between like the 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 American child and these children in these other parts of the world, I was just like, I can beat that number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can beat that average. I can do better than that. Um, but yeah, zero is always an option. Always an option. Yeah. Like when you are talking about, well, but I think I can beat that number. That's sort of like I know I can competitive, beat that <laughs> like that competitive vibe and that confidence. I totally feel in every other climate solution I ever engage with. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to nail that. Right. Absolutely. But this one's different. And it I don't know different. why it feels different, but I just. Because it's kind of everything. Right. It's I guess it's huge. all the decisions. It's in really one... huge. And, and don't minimize that in your mind Mm -hmm. like it's big it's a really big decision i know we really grappled with it i mean i'm talking calculators i'm talking a weekend away summit i'm talking graph paper we really spent a lot of time on this question (laughs) and you know eden is 12 tomorrow so Uh we made we can tell what decision we made but um it's really personal and it's really tough I admittedly haven't gone through all of this calculus that you have done (laughs) i have not brought out graph paper and gone to a summit because i sort of like dusted off my hands. I was like, okay, well, fewer people means fewer resources. And so I just need to make fewer people. But 
Sasser said that's not really how it works. If we look even at a really, really short time scale, if we look at the beginning of COVID, there was a lot of emphasis on how greenhouse gas emissions took a significant dip when people were on lockdown and stayed home. Same number of people were on the planet, far fewer emissions because people were engaging in different behaviors. Sasser also makes this point that the decision that you make on whether or not you are going to have children, that shouldn't be tied up with like your your own climate anxiety. What I'm saying is don't internalize these large scale structural problems as if they are your own individual problems because they're not. I think another reason that this is difficult is because and I know that this is like a problem in society, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like I'm just making this decision for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many people in my life who also want to see me have a child. (laughs) Tell those people. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, That pressure continues to build. You know, I've been married for five years. It would have been very normal for me to have a kid by now. Mm -hmm. And I'm every year seeing more and more friends becoming parents. Yeah. And so I asked Sasser if she had heard of that experience. And I got to say, I was really comforted by her response. Oh, have I heard about it? I have heard about that struggle. There has been research that has shown eco-anxiety and climate distress were profound among young people in Generation Z, and that these distressing emotions were really compounded when older people denied, dismissed, disregarded, or minimized young people's climate concerns. I think older people tend to believe (laughs) That we know more than younger people and that we are right because we've been around longer and have more life experience. But on this issue, we are not right. Um, More often than not, we tend to be very, very wrong. So be ready to be wrong and to learn from it. I don't think we can really understand the pressure that young people, as an environmental educator, I see it every single day. Yeah. The pressure that young people are walking around with, this this ever-present, this omnipresent concern about climate. It's real. Yeah. I think the other problem with that, too, is frequently those people in that older generation um, are parents, Mm -hmm. so they are biased Mm -hmm. toward their experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they created people that they ended up really liking. And so they're like, (laughs) well, you too could also create people that you would really like. Yes. But, you know, it doesn't do any good at all for the older generation to tell the younger generation to shut up and not worry about something. Uh Uh-huh. Because that's the opposite of what we're going to do. We are going to keep talking about this and we are definitely worried about it. Yeah. What I find kind of interesting in the decision process that my husband and I have been going through for many years here is... We have two different reasons for why we're struggling. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think, well, I don't want to add to the number of people who are taking resources from the planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for him, that's not really the big concern. The concern is more, but then this kid is going to be born into a world where they have to shoulder a huge burden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that's not as big a thing for me because, like, I like being alive, even though that's a big burden that we're shouldering. <laughs> but I'm curious about uh, between those two things, like, it, does one bug you more than the other? I, I think it's yes and, right? Yeah. So on your end, it's like the the impact, right? But again, I'm like, oh, no, I can do better than this. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> right? So the impact part, not that I, I, I'm never going to be at zero. And I know that. But I, I always knew that I could do as much as I could. I would try to do as much as I could. And so that 
made me feel empowered. It mm-hmm. made me feel yeah. like, okay, I can make these better decisions. Um, and for the other one, I feel like that's been the case, like, for age, time immemorial. Sure, People yeah. People have looked around at the planet and gone, this place is a hot mess. Uh-huh. Or insert reason here from 1721, insert reason here from, you know, whatever, from the 1800s, and, and thought, oh, no, this is just awful. Oh, I suppose I should feel um, better by that. <laughs> but I just, you know, I think my hot mess is worse than everybody else's. Well, you know. But I'm sure everybody else has thought that as well. Yes, it's true. It's the human condition. But I'm an environmental educator. It's what I've chosen to do with my life. I mm-hmm. get up every single day and I believe we're going to figure this out. I yeah. honestly, honestly do. And so this doomed planet, this inevitable doom of the planet doesn't live in my brain. And I think that helps a lot. Out of everything you've said, that is the thing that resonates with me the most. (laughs) I have said many times before, I don't think I'd be able to get up and do my job every day if I didn't think that we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And I really do feel privileged to know that I get to be a part of the generation that's going to watch us do it. Absolutely. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. Okay, whoa, that was really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow we got to try and put all this into a few takeaways. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, the experts agree, yeah, having children does have an impact on the planet. But the important part is in the how. How are you raising your children? That's the key in the impact of your decision. And it's not a black or white decision because you can choose to have a child and still have plenty of agency in deciding how great an impact that that child is going to have. And you can choose to have zero children. And that's okay too. Right. At the end of the day, if you're feeling pressure from family, uh, you know, send them this podcast. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Because the pressure they put on you might not only be making you feel like just yucky in general, but it might be making you more apprehensive about having kids. And they need to know that. Okay, so I am feeling the weight of this episode. Candace hit me with some good news. Help okay. me out. Okay, I've got some good news for you. Okay. It's kind of a throwback to some really good news that happened back in August, and it shows just how kids nowadays take climate into their own hands. Oh, yes, I did hear about this. Oh, this made me feel so much better. Yes, let's talk about the people in Montana. Yeah, absolutely. So this is about some students in Montana way back in August. They're young activists, and they filed a lawsuit against the state because they said the state's policies on oil and gas are unconstitutional. Okay. And they won. So the judge ruled that Montana has to consider climate change when making decisions about fossil fuel projects in the future. Wow, that is really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. I have to say, it makes me especially optimistic when I see young people engaging in climate action because... That is what gives me faith that we're going to make it out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Good news. And that's it this week on the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast. If you haven't, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. We've got a newsletter that will have our advice every week. And to get it in your inbox or to ask us a question, you got to go to kcrw.com slash climate. Next week, Candace is going to lead us through part two of our climate and having kids conversation. This time for the people who already know that they do want to be a parent or that they are a parent already. Yes, that's when we're going to talk about the how. I've been talking about that this whole episode. Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the decisions that you can make large and small to lessen the impact of having children. Oh, love that. Can't wait. I'm Kaylee Wells, climate reporter at KCRW. 
I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, environmental educator and CEO at Friends of the LA River. Our executive producer is Sonia Geis. Our production assistant is Celine Mendiola. Our technical director is John Meek. And our music is by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. The Anti-Dread Climate Podcast is a KCRW production. 